speculate that at the moment that they're lighting this effigy of a child on fire on stage in front of hundreds of members of the Bohemian Club, they're also simultaneously sacrificing an actual child, probably underneath the stage. So I speculate because of the time that my episode happened that I was to be that sacrifice in 1975 because this is uh, this is big science that was the birth of big science and uh, big science is is completely out of its mind it's completely insane it's completely rapacious it has no regard for human life and uh, they're just going ahead and doing it if you've been paying attention you know the global economy is transforming the BRICS nations want to see the end of the dollar reserve currency and many countries are joining their effort the Western banking system is the most fragile it's been since 2008. The highly respected Weiss Research Group accurately provided advance warning on which banks are going to fail with 99.3% accuracy after the 2008 crisis. They are now predicting that a whopping 4,243 banks are vulnerable to failure and 1,210 of those banks face imminent failure. When this situation comes to pass, it will dwarf the 2008 banking crisis. The only asset that has historically weathered a storm this severe has been precious metals. It has never been a better time to buy gold and silver to protect your family. Contact Miles Franklin at info at milesfranklin.com. Tell them Sarah sent me and you will get the best service and the best prices on gold and silver in the country. That is a guarantee from them to me. Remember, info at milesfranklin.com. Tell them Sarah sent me. Do this now to protect your assets and the ones you love. Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall. I have Peter Kirby coming to the program. He has an interesting story to share with you about how he was almost taken by the Warburgs. And he's going to talk about a family friend. They're one of the, the, the wealthiest banking family in the world. If you were to list the, the you know, they're up there with the Rothschilds. They, these people aren't listed on the wealthiest family list. You know, when Elon Musk is the wealthiest in the world. No, I mean, they are way beyond them and they're not on the list. But anyways, he has a story to tell and he wrote a book about it. It's actually a fiction book based on his story about being kidnapped or almost kidnapped. And he's going to talk about it and all the things that happened. Very interesting. And then we're going to get into, for people who don't know, Peter Kirby was the one that wrote the book on chemtrails um, exposed from the Manhattan Project to today. Something like that is the name of it. And he, I've had him on before a couple times to talk about, it's like the Bible of chemtrails. It's very well researched. It's if it, if he doesn't, can't prove that it really happened, he won't put it in his book. I remember he's just so meticulous about this and he wrote it because he wants it to be something that is timeless. So we're going to talk about some of that, what he has coming up. Uh, he has another uh, paper and he has other things that he's going to write uh, in addition to that on chemtrails. And then, um, we just, he talks about his liver cleanse and gallbladder cleanse, all these things. And it very, it was a very eclectic conversation. I'm not going to air all of it here. It's going to be on Substack for my members. And if you're members of Ebonier, I am trying to move everybody to Substack. And so that's, uh, everybody has a free, if you were an Embraer member, you have a free membership now to Substack and th 
through November, something like that. So you'll be able to watch it there. I'm really asking people to move over. I just want to consolidate where I'm at. Even Sarah Westall TV, I'd like to consolidate. I just, it's too much going on everywhere. And so I'm trying to consolidate, but still have my sarahwestall.com because censorship is incredible. So I'm going to do both and just keep my options open there. But make sure you go look for it. It's really fascinating. I'm not going to air a lot of the acorn thing because he's going to give away the whole, like his story. I mean, there's so much more to it, but I'm going to par air part of it and you're going to be like sucked in and then you're going to want to go to watch, listen to the rest of it. So I apologize I'm doing that to you, but it's kind of over the top and kind of interesting. And I don't know, I think it's better for my members. And before I get into that, I want to tell you about the wellness company. I have the link below to get the spike support. It's for people who are suffering with injuries from the jab or shedding. You're, I know you're out there and I know there's a lot of you out there who are just not feeling good. This thing dissolves the spike protein. It dissolves blood clots and it'll help you get back on to healthy, get back to health. And if you are suffering at home, you do not need to suffer alone. The wellness group also has doctors on staff that can help you. So look for the link below. I also have a coupon, Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, where you can save 10%. Okay, let's get into this very interesting conversation with Peter Kirby. Hi, Peter. Welcome back to the show. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, we had a, quite the effort getting it started, but this is good. You have the most interesting story that you want to share. You wrote a book and it was based on your life, but loosely, I guess, right? But you, what we're going to talk about is really what happened to you. It's the summer solstice. And I guess it kind of, it kind of jives with that. Can you give us an overview of this story that you, of your life that is now I, you have me on the edge of the seat because you kind of gave me part of it. And so I'm really interested in hearing about it. This is what I was shooting for. I was hoping to drive you crazy with curiosity. That's why <laughs> well, I, mean, I am that's now. Why, that's why I didn't send you a copy of my book before the interview. I want to send you one after. Do you prefer a paperback or a PDF? Oh, whatever you sent me is fine. Okay. I mean, I have a paperback, but PDF is good too. I, it doesn't cost you anything. No, I got 10 copies of the paperback. I just sent one a little while ago. It only costs $3 to send. So I'd be happy to send it to you. We can work that out after the show. We don't want to give out your home address. Oh, gosh, no. But $3, if you could afford $3 on me, I would appreciate it for sending it. But let's let's dive into it. You, First of all, just so people know, you are an expert on the chemtrail stuff. And you wrote the book. The It's pretty much the Bible of that. I mean, it's just the well research all these things and then you've you've been diving into kind of what some of these agendas are for a long time you're a journalist but you decided to write a fiction book but based on your own experience and your own experience is quite your story and it has to do with the summer solstice kind of so take us from there yeah it's oh, it's a long story it uh it, it's it goes back to uh my, my, my chemtrail research, it was a repressed memory. And uh, I was uh, doing the chemtrail research, getting near the end of it. And, and the, the final parts of the research were who's doing it, right? After you do all the, the figuring out of the weather modification things and, you know, how they've been promoting it over the years and, and the, the whole, uh, you know, machinery of it, 
you want to get to like, okay, well, who did this? Who are the people responsible for this? And what I came up with is is basically the banksters, uh, speci- yep. specifically the the Rockefellers working with the Bush family. But the, in my mind, there's a, a trifecta of the, the three fam- most famous bankster names. And in my mind, that's the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, and the Warburgs. I don't know. Do you agree with me on that? I think there's some other names that are famous that people, like the Paysewers, which was the French royal family when the French royal family went down. Um, there's evidence. Yeah. There's evidence to show they they don't they're not in the front forefront. But if you look like a hundred years ago, they had like a third of all corporations in the United States they owned. But they they hide behind different names. So I think that there's other families as well. But yeah, those are the what you are pretty heavy hitters. What you're talking about. Well, yeah, we can we can agree that the Warburgs are one of the top names, and I've known a certain branch of the Warburg family since I was very small, and uh, it's we've been like family friends with them, and uh, it's mostly been actually my mom and my sister that have been uh, most friendly with them, and uh, I was always most of my life uh, it was just kind of like yeah whatever you know. I, they're like kind of cool. They have a lot of money, big deal, you know. Uh, but uh, while I they was, they just have a lot of money. They have like money that we don't understand, and it's they. They old, should be there. They have more than Elon Musk, who's the wealthiest person in the world. They just aren't on those lists. They're one of those families, yeah. That that yeah. has like incredible amounts of, of of hidden wealth, and and you know all the people that you hear about in the news, like oh Bill Gates, the world's richest man. Oh now it's Elon Musk. Oh now it's this guy. No, it's not it's even close. Jesus. Yeah, they they these are these are just uh, they have like maybe one one hundredth, if that, uh, of what these bankster families have. And uh, anyway, so you know I, I started seeing that the banksters were responsible for all the chemtrail spray. And then I, I knew, you know, from other things that the Warburg family, you know, was a. I was researching lots of different things and taking in lots of different new media throughout the whole course of, you know, over 10 years of research, putting that book together. And I had, you know, long ago gathered that the banksters were, were sitting on top of society. And, and, you know, I was sort of it started moving things in my mind. And, and eventually something my this repressed memory got jogged loose. And, I, and it all came out, basically the whole thing all came out like in, in, at one time, and I just remembered the whole thing. And the, the memory, I, I told the whole story on uh, the Dark Outpost show, which is defunct now, uh, you know, Zubla Kosit, I'm sure you're aware of it. Uh, he does the Awake Nation now. And, and, uh, uh, but I was on the Dark Outpost uh, about two and a half years ago. I told the whole story. It, it took about two hours. If people want to go back and, and hear the whole story in detail, Sarah and I are going to talk about a bunch of different things today. I'm going to try to boil this down. But the original story takes about like two hours to tell in, in detail. And I told it on the Dark Outpost show about two and a half years ago on February 17th of 2021. It was an episode called I Almost Died at Bohemian Grove. And see, so the crux of it is that the these two members of the Warburg family uh, – the guy's name, he's dead now, and so is his wife, so I'm, I'm saying the names. I'm not saying real names of anybody who is alive or maybe still alive who was there. I'm only talking, uh, given the full information on people who are, have already passed. And the, the man's name was a Felix, Ma- Felix Max Warburg. Everybody called him Peter, 
which was kind of odd. But from my research, I learned that people were calling him Peter long before I was born. So there's no, you know, no <laughs> you weren't named after him. Well, no, uh, you know, I, they, they, I, I could extrapolate and speculate on things like that. But no, I saw in the research that he he's like semi-famous around here. He, he had served on uh, some uh, government uh, boards. He served as the chairman of like the redevelop Marin County Redevelopment Agency. So he lived he lived in Marin County for a long time, which is where I live now. And uh, that was before I was born. And then he lived in uh, the Pacific Heights district of San Francisco. That, that's uh, he always lived there throughout my life. But anyway, him and his wife, who was named Sue, Sue Warburg, they tried to uh, his wife. He, he grabbed me at one point. This was on a, a vacation uh, up, up here in Marin County to, at their summer home in, in a city called Inverness. And, and one night, uh, I believe they put something in my parents' drink. We were up there at their summer house, and, and I found my parents unconscious on the, uh, on the couch. And they were, like, slumped next to each other, just asleep. And both of the Warburgs were all up and active and everything. And I was in the next room. I was supposed to have been tucked into bed and, you know, not— How old were you? Four years old. Four, okay. And I, I sensed that something was wrong. So I got out of bed and I stuck my head around the corner and I see my parents unconscious on the couch with the Warburgs all active, like doing things. So I came out. I'm like, what's going on here? Like, why are my parents unconscious? And uh, Felix Max Warburg uh, grabs me and his wife goes into the next room, comes back with a little needle is like a little thing that like you hold. It's just like a little tab that you hold onto it. And then there's like four little prongs in it. I don't know if it's even commercially available. It may have been, may have been some kind of like spy gear or something. But anyway, she's she's got this little thing in between her thumb and her forefinger with the little prongs on it, and she's coming after me while the other guy is holding me. So I'm thinking like, I don't want to get hit with this thing, you know what I mean? <laughs> Whatever yeah, it is. Wow. And I was able to to break free from from his grip. And uh, I was and I think I bit him to, to, to get free. I bit his forearm, I think. And that's in, that's in the story as well. And I, I went around the corner to the kitchen and I jumped up into the sink and I grabbed a big knife from the knife rack. In the book specifically that I included from my research into the Illuminati. Um, but I did have a good general knowledge. And I, and I think that that is something that the reader can come away with. Uh, just by like the the way people act and sort of uh, how they they do things, how they go about doing things, and and, and whatnot. I th I think that um, that uh, is is going to be kind of interesting for the reader uh, because I have actually done quite a lot of uh, research in this area. There there's a lot of bad books that have been written about the Illuminati, <laughs> like books that that people think like you'll see like people will talk up. These certain books are like, wow, this book about the Illuminati is so great. I, I, I read some of these books and they're just like copied and pasted from Wikipedia. The book from Little Acorns, available Where now. Where can they get it? On Amazon.com. You search from Little Acorns, it comes up as the number one search engine result. There's a link to it from my website, PeterAKirby.com. And I, I encourage the, uh, the viewer to uh, check it out. Well, what else do you do now? You have your show called uh, what's what's your show's name? 
Thanks for asking. The abstract. The abstract. And I've watched a bunch of your episodes. Are you are, are you still you're going to do more? Because you took a break, didn't you, from doing your show? You know, the I work every day, Sarah. It's just that the my work just takes forever to get done. Like um, like yesterday, I, I do work. I, I put in quite a bit of hours every day. Yesterday uh, wasn't one of my exercise days. I have I like exercise every other day. So yesterday was one of one of the days when I didn't have work and I didn't have exercise. I just read all day. Well, but but no, not that you took a break from working, but you took a break where the show isn't because you just did a whole bunch of episodes. Have you? When's your? When was your last I was, episode? I was originally doing one episode a week because I that was right after I started the show because I was sitting on a whole bunch of material that I had been reading for like I don't know two years before I launched okay. the show. So then I had material to just do a show every week. And and I could continue doing that, you know, if I wanted to break myself, but and 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 come to the the viewer and the listener with something that was maybe not of the same caliber. Although a lot of the videos I do are, are kind of like slapped together and just kind of uh, you know a preliminary investigation and things like that. I, I just I, I, what I'm doing now is I'm concentrating on quality. I, I want to uh, do all the reading that I need to do before I come out and speak. And uh, I, I want the things that I produce to be of only the highest quality. I want people to, although, you know, it doesn't come out all the time. I, I don't put out things every day or every week or even every month. But when people see my name, I want them to say, hey, that's, you know, that's probably pretty interesting. I should take a look at that. And, you know what I mean? And yep. so that's. That's just my my tack and and how i'm I'm going about it, but yeah and and so the whole business model is like the abstract i'm I'm really I have everything I need now, you know what i mean uh, i have I, I have the a website peteracirby.com that's that's the mothership. you can find links to all my stuff from there, and uh, I have the abstract on Rumble where I produce videos, and then I also have an abstract channel on Truth Social. And, okay. and the reason I didn't do this earlier, because the opportunity was not available. I, I, you know, Twitter and YouTube and stuff, there's no reason. In my, in my mind, there's no reason to post things on there because they're going to pull the rug right out from under you. See, yeah, I trust, they can. You can't trust those, those, those I trust places. Trump. I trust Truth Social. I, I have confidence that they're not going to censor me. I don't even really do anything that that requires censorship. And yet I'm confident that Twitter and YouTube would censor me. I mean, I know they have even if even if they allow the channel to stay up and allow me to post videos, you know, they're going to be shadow banning me all the time. It's it's like, you know, uh, just an exercise in frustration. I think that that Truth Social and Rumble are going to give me a fair shake. And that's that's why I'm there. And that's why it took me so long to actually get a show together is, you know, it's just, uh, they don't, the YouTube and Twitter, they, they don't treat their contributors properly at all. I mean, they treat them like trash. And, oh, yeah. and, I, and I don't oh, want to yeah. be that way. Well, Twitter claims to be a free speech bastion, but it's not, it just isn't. But well, okay. Well, thank you, Peter. And do you have any follow-ups on the chemtrail stuff that you've been working on? Oh, we got a lot more, Sarah. We got a lot more here. I mean, for as long as you want to do the show, I got that. We, that's just one topic. I got three more here. 
<laughs> oh, you got three more topics. Okay, well then yeah, let's. I sent it to you. You did send it to me. Well, let's yep. let's talk about let's talk about your chemtrails. Yes. Um, so you you have been writing. Um, you wrote a book on chemtrails that were it's like the Bible of it. I mean, you really dug in. You did your research. Everything is very well documented and and um, sourced. And now you got more information because they're so hardcore on this green agenda and all this, but it's all BS. It's like they're making the problem so that then they can point to it and then come up with the solution. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're seeing. But mm -hmm. it even seems like they're doing something else to the terraforming or I don't know what they're doing to our planet. Well, yeah, yeah. Most people, if they've heard of me, they've, they've probably heard of me in association with my chemtrail work and, the book that I wrote came out in uh, 2020. It's available on Amazon as well. Five stars. Chemtrails Exposed, a new Manhattan project. And uh, yeah, I just recently put out a, a hardcover edition of that. So it's available in audiobook, hardcover, ebook, paperback. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been, a, it's been a, a consistent seller. And uh, it, with the release of From Little Acorns, I've actually sold about twice as many copies of Chemtrails Exposed than I have From Little Acorns. It's, you know, regenerated interest in, in my chemtrail work. And the chemtrail work continues. It's not going anywhere. In fact, for, this is some years down the road. I intend on, on putting out a final chemtrail book. But this is going to take time. It, it would be a, like a traditional type of history in chronological order starting out like over a hundred years ago from like many, the origins of this well, whole and that, that would be very important because people the, uh, people don't even believe half the people don't even believe chemtrails are real yet i think it's growing and they're starting to realize it but more people are so how many copies have you sold at this point okay okay uh, let me see here how many is it now okay um i've sold of the chemtrails book i think i've sold upwards of three thousand and then oh, i gave okay. i gave away about a thousand copies so oh, wow people can tell me about how oh you're just in it for the money i gave away a quarter of the copies for free i, I made the original version of chemtrails exposed available for free as an ebook twice but even three thousand i mean that's a great number but you're trying to make a living, so it's not like you're making a killing selling 3,000 books. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm in it for the long term. I'm in it for the yeah. long term, sir. I, I've seen plenty of books that have come out to uh, very little fanfare over, over the decades. There's been many, many books that have come out uh, with little fanfare, but in the long run, people have latched onto it. Maybe somewhere down the road, it gets the right promotion somewhere. And all of a sudden, you're selling like gazillions of copies. And, and you know, that, that's how I constructed the Chemtrails book, Chemtrails Exposed, the New Manhattan Project. I, I built yep. it so that it would last, so that yep. it would be a lasting work. And, and, you know, I also I'm familiar with the, the saying, you know, only that which is done in his name will prosper. And I do believe that the book is written in the spirit of the Lord and as well as my From Little Acorns book. So, you know, th these are the things that, that I'm banking on for, for the future. And, uh, you know, I'm going to continue doing my research, continue writing my books. I'm, I'm, I'm working on the next one now. But since we're talking about, and we can, that's a topic of discussion I have here, but since we're talking about chemtrails, 
I did release a, a new chemtrails paper. The research is ongoing. Uh, there's a, a, an article that uh, came up on Activist Post. You know, I'm still a staff writer on ActivistPost.com as well. And uh, there was an episode of The Abstract as well as an article on ActivistPost.com called Chemtrails Exposed, the Coal Fly Ash Fluoride Connection. So this is the, the latest bit of research that I've been doing on chemtrails. And this is about the parallels between water fluoridation and the spraying of chemtrails. There's, there's prima facie uh, similarities, such as the fact that both of the substances that we are being sprayed with, or excuse me, the, both of the substances that are involved here, coal fly ash, which is the base material of what we're being sprayed, has been scientifically proven, it's in my book. Coal fly ash is the smoke that rises from burning coal. It's a toxic waste byproduct of the coal-fired power plant industry. And so, uh, and then fluoride is also a toxic waste byproduct of the phosphate mining industry. So, both of these substances that we are being forcibly exposed to are toxic waste, industrial byproducts, things that these companies would have to spend a lot of money to get rid of if they weren't paid to either put it in our water or spray it in the skies. So right there, th those are some similarities that, that started getting me thinking, okay, there, there's probably some deeper connections here. And I did find them. I, I found them in uh, Christopher Bryson's book, uh, The Fluoride Deception. I have a copy of it over there. But uh, it's, it's basically the, the, the latest paper is a combination of his book and my book. And, and what the, the real compelling information that I found in Bryson's book was the fact that the chief toxicologist for the original Manhattan Project, a guy by the name of uh, Dr. Hodge, I keep on drawing a blank on his first name now, but anyhow, anyway, he was the the uh, chief toxicologist on the original Manhattan Project. Well, he went on to become the number one uh, cheerleader for water fluoridation, the one number yeah. one scientific cheerleader for water fluoridation in America, out of Rochester University in New York. He had a whole group of, of guys that were there all working under him to promote water fluoridation in America. And then you look back at the original Manhattan Project and see that. Uh, you know, this uh, fluoride was something that was produced as a toxic byproduct of the uh, gaseous diffusion method used to uh, to isolate the to uh, enrich the uh, uranium, not the plutonium, the uranium. And, and so th there's that. And, uh, you know, it starts making nothing but sense. Of course, my, my book is titled Ken Farrell's Exposed, the New Manhattan Project. And I, I trace the, the history of this global weather modification project back to the original Manhattan Project, and there's fluoride, and there's Dr. Hodge as well. So, you know, uh, this is uh, this is big science. That was the birth of big science, and uh, big science is is completely out of its mind. It's completely insane. It's completely rapacious. It has no regard for human life, and uh, they're just going ahead and doing it, whatever it is. I mean, they're just doing it, and uh, they just cover everything up, and they lie about everything, and and just spin everything away. And the mainstream media dutifully. Uh, stands down so that you know we are assassinated as a as a people, and uh, th this is how wicked and evil the mainstream media is, and uh, the whole big science establishment. I mean, they're they're just uh, completely gone, and I, I think that you know, people will start thinking in those terms when they read my paper. Chemtrails expose the coal fly ash fluoride connection. Well, so, I think COVID woke people up to how evil they are and how 
Oh, yeah. To a lot of people, it's like, wow, watching it real time. So you hear people talk about the conspiracy theory, if you will, and then you see it real time. And it mm-hmm. gives you a different appreciation of what they're capable of doing. So now, can they get your uh, Chemtrail book at Peter Kirby as well? There's a link to my Chemtrail book on my website, peteracurby.com. But again, if you if you just simply go to Amazon and search Chemtrails, I always come up on the first page. I'm often number one. That's but, excellent. Uh, well, it's because your book is so good. You you have another book that's coming up calling called The Fall of San Francisco. That's right. Um, is that because you live in that area? Is it more just documenting where it was to where it is today, or are you talking more future? Um, I'm looking to go from uh, post-war San Francisco up to today. Okay, and because right now it's just a, I mean, everybody who's lived out there and has seen it in the past compared to now are very disappointed at how it's fallen from grace. You know, there's people actually shit on the sidewalks i mean there's a map of where all the crap is and it's just incredible yeah you know it 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 hurts me still i I, i've found peace so many times in san francisco it's it's i'm getting a little choked up it's it's such a a beautiful city and uh you know they they just uh I'm, i'm tracing the whole history of it you know, it's it really boils what I'm basically boiling it down to is political corruption. It's just political corruption. And, uh, you know, they they entice people with all their, uh, you know, wonderful flowery uh, things that, you know, they're going to do for you. And oh, yes. They love you oh, so much. Yes. Yeah. Meanwhile, out the back door, they're, they're getting millions and millions and hundreds of millions of dollars getting totally rich. I mean, why is it Nancy Pelosi goes to goes to Congress and then comes out, you know, with like hundreds of millions of dollars in the bank? That shouldn't even happen. That shouldn't even yeah, happen. She doesn't. They don't believe what they're saying, or they say it, it. They're bribing the people with their own money so that, and then they can get wealthier. Yeah, they're they're operating from an infinite source of uh, of money. They have infinite amounts of money behind them, just like the banksters. I mean, they represent mm-hmm. the banks. They represent the banksters. And so that's what you're going to talk about. And then that, so that's it. And then it'll be coming out next. Well, Peter, this has been one heck of an interesting conversation. I'm probably going to air part of it on my uh, Substack and then part of it public um, just because I'm going to. And I think people would appreciate it. So uh, I enjoyed talking to you. And I am excited about seeing the, your next iteration of the chemtrail stuff. I know that has just been really solid, good work. Lots of leads. Lots of leads. Yeah, well, I'm sure once you become known as the person in that area, more people come to you with information too. Well, you know, I've uh, there hasn't hasn't been too much of that. All my leads are uh, research leads. You know, uh, not really into interviewing people too much, uh, unless I guess they're they're whistleblowers or something. I'm not I'm not into. tracking down the, the perpetrators of all this stuff. They're not going to want to talk to me anyway. There's no point in trying to pester them about stuff. Uh, whistleblowers have mostly been going to Dane Wigington. Uh, he, he seems to have uh, more of a knowledge of like how to handle these situations and a deeper knowledge of, you know, how all these uh, government organizations uh, operate. And, you know, it it's get, gets pretty, you get into the weeds when you start uh, dealing with whistleblowers and whatnot. 
So, uh, you know, I've, I've put a bunch of things that, that Dane has come forward with in, in my book. When he comes forward with, with good pieces of evidence, I, I put them in my book. So, uh, yeah, it's mostly research leads. There's, there's no shortage of them whatsoever. I mean, I, I have so much work in front of me. It's just uh, it's just a matter of just nibbling away at it every day. And that's what I'm going to continue doing. And I hope uh, people stay tuned if they want to stay keep abreast of what I'm doing. I have my website, PeterAKirby.com. You can join my email list there. That's a great way to stay in touch. And also you can follow me on Truth Social at The Abstract, or you can follow me on Rumble at The Abstract as well. Okay, well, thank you so much, Peter. I really appreciate you coming to the show. Oh, you're welcome, Sarah. I look forward to next time.